Hello and welcome to Business Class Money Minutes, your essential podcast on everything finance related for small business owners, powered by American Express. I'm Nigel Cassidy, broadcaster and financial writer, and with her eyes on small enterprise, journalist and all-round dynamo Bex. Oh, I love being a dynamo. Yes, I'm Bex Burn-Calendar. Great to be back again, Nigel. And this time on the podcast, we're finding out why being green won't cost you the earth. Well, that sounds great, but uh, you would think small firms would already have a bit too much on their plates to try and be greener. I mean, did anyone mention COVID-19, Brexit? Ah, you'd be forgiven for thinking that, but actually, it's a really great opportunity and a lot of businesses are already benefiting. You're like this, Nigel. I saw some very recent research by the Entrepreneurs Network, which found two-thirds of business owners felt the move towards a greener economy post-COVID presented positive opportunities. And more than half the entrepreneurs in this study said they'd taken steps to make their business more environmentally friendly in the past 18 months. That is a massive shift. Well, that is a huge number. So I suppose what we might be saying here is that the smart small business owner is going to be bouncing back from the downturn on the back of greener products. That's it in a nutshell, yes. Well, I, I suppose I would say that's killing two birds with one stone, but uh, maybe killing birds isn't very environmentally friendly. <laughs> no, not, not to the birds. And what we do know is that this is the direction that consumers are already heading in. I was thinking about what's happened to the way we buy our coffees. I mean, would you rather have a coffee brand that you know does everything it can to use recycled products, it gives a fair wage to growers, it replants the crops and all that, or a company that's still serving in single-use plastic and is, is definitely not fair trade? I think I'll take the first one, please, Nigel. Exactly. And you're not the only one. Research from E.ON shows that people are voting with their feet. They're choosing suppliers that are cutting their carbon footprints and uh, have made these commitments to sustainability. Of course, it's not just providing a recyclable coffee cup. It goes all the way through the supply chain, the environment, the health and well-being of the staff. It's everything. But the rub is, I suppose, when you add all that up and the cost, it might seem like a mountain to climb for an existing small business. Yeah, you're exactly Exactly right, Nigel. And we're actually going to be answering those questions today. And is it really true that being environmentally friendly will end up being more expensive for the business owner? Well, that is the million dollar question, isn't it? Yes. Well, to help us out, we've lined up some fantastic business owners who've put sustainability at the heart of their business model, attracted loads of new customers, and it's already more than paid dividends. Fantastic. I'm all ears. So, Nigel, I am really excited to introduce Kay Shatomi, co-founder of Chop Chop, a chain of hair salons that is sustainable to its core. Kay is a former consultant advising big business on green strategy. He's distilled all of that incredible knowledge and infused it into his startup. Welcome, Kay. Thank you, Vex, for that. It's great to be here. So when you say that you're a sustainable salon, what does that mean? What would I see that's different from other salons? So this starts from getting your hair cut. So we advise our customers to come with their hair clean. So you wash your hair at home before you actually come in. And we actually cut your hair dry. What does that do from a sustainable perspective? Uh, Three things, really. First, it means that we use significantly less water uh, than traditional salon service. We get the cut done for you in twice as less time as it would if you had gone through the traditional process of washing your hair and gone through all of that. And also, it also means that you're able to save money. So there are three things there that definitely hit the tone when it comes to sustainability, right around people, planet, as well as uh, profit. So how wasteful is it? You know, by by cutting on dry hair, for example, we use 70% less water 
uh, than than your traditional salon service uh, on a day to day basis. Uh, you know, we're talking that's that's uh, thousands of liters of, of water. Uh, you know that we're, we're we're talking about. So it definitely is something that uh, when you think about water bills, it all sort of adds up. What about other sustainable moves that you've made in the business? Uh, we have a store in Shoreditch. That store, we were able to refurbish and put together for less than 30,000 uh, pounds. For the work that was done in there, it would have cost about 60,000 if we had gone through a traditional way of, of furnishing that location. But by choosing recycled, reused materials and things like that, we have a beautiful store. Uh, that is super welcoming and, uh, you know, and, and is aesthetically pleasing. And, uh, you know, but, but by choosing simple, decent products that were uh, better for the planet, uh, had been used before and, and all of that, we were, we were able to create a, a beautiful environment that also uh, helps us resonate uh, our brand uh, and, and what we believe in. The ability to introduce things like LED lights, for example, we have LED in our stores. Your traditional light bulb, for example, will give you anywhere from 1,000 to, to 6,000 hours before you actually have to replace them. An LED will take you anywhere from 25,000 to 50,000 hours of use before, you know, before it runs out. And it might seem slightly more expensive to start off with, but it saves you so much more money at the back end. But the final piece of this is also the fact that it mimics daylight, which is better for eyesight. Uh, and, and it really helps our staff in the salon. In percentage terms, how much more does it cost to offer your customers a sustainable alternative? Yeah, so literally you're talking about 10 or 20 percent. Uh, you know, if that, you know, this is it's not significant. Also, what, we, what we're talking about is... So some of these products, they concentrate the product. So you have a significantly more condensed product. What you find is that that product actually lasts you significantly longer as well. Uh, you know, so, you know, again, just like the LED, it might cost you a little bit more at the, at the outset to get it, but it actually lasts you longer. So on the economic term, it actually balances out. You, you can't be, one of the core things is you can't be an island when you're trying to solve sustainable issues. You know, in the hairdressing industry, is really not a conversation that a lot of people have, uh, especially because they think uh, their footprint is uh, small and almost negligible, right? Uh, but it isn't. Uh, you know, you pull that cluster of uh, shops and, and salons across, uh, you know, a high street or right across the country and you have a significant footprint. How important has that social media platform or others been in spreading the word to customers? How has that played a role in your success? So I, I can't, I, you know, I, I honestly cannot state enough the tremendous amount of benefit uh, that uh, being a sustainable business not only brings from just a loyalty perspective from, from our customers, but you know, from, from all the other aspects of the business. It also helps us attract talent, which is, uh, which is very important. Hair recycling is something that I'm really excited about and hoping that we can start doing in the UK. This is, yeah, so with, with hair recycling, actually, it's, it's great because it's found that you can actually use it as a thermal insulator 
which can be included into buildings and insulating buildings and, and uh, homes for the future. And another thing that it is, is it's, it's a great sponge. You think about how your hair soaks up water or it so, soaks up products that you put in it. Um, you know, it's a, it's a great, uh, as, a, as a sponge, it can be used and it's been used to, uh, to use, uh, to soak up oil from, uh, from, from the seabed uh, where, where there's oil spillage. I've just thought of the most amazing sideline business for you, which is that someone comes in, you cut their hair, and then you turn their hair into a bespoke sponge for them to use for the rest of their day. <laughs> it's like the ultimate in the personalization era. Here's your hair sponge. Bex, that's weird. <laughs> I, was, I thought you were a bit weird, but I'm really convinced now. Yeah, it is a bit weird. <laughs> Well, I don't know what you think, Bex, but that's just such a brilliant mixture of vision and practicality uh, to really find a green point of difference and go for it. Absolutely, Nigel. I feel like I've learned so much and I'm hoping that a lot of these tips will resonate with businesses of all sizes in all different industries. Look at your light bulbs. Are you using LEDs? Look at your water usage. You could really maximise profit by going a little bit greener. And then we had that slightly uh, surprising use of recycled hair as an insulator and a sponge and your completely odd idea of uh, your own hair made into a sponge. But, uh, well, it takes all sorts. Uh, and also what he was saying about um, refurbishment. Yeah, absolutely. I can't believe how much cheaper it was to do it all through recycled materials. Half the price it would have been to buy new. That's, that's incredible. OK, so from cuts and crops... And strange sponges to dragon fruit and ginger root, our next guest created a performance drink powered by nature. It sounds sustainable. We're going to find out if it is. Rich Goldsmith, co-founder of Moju. Yeah, so it's a, it's, it's a soft drink. So we make what we call functional shots. So they are 60 mil uh, shots of ginger root, pressed ginger root, turmeric root. We also have vitamin D uh, and also a vitamin C product as well. It's, it's a fresh product. Um, so it's a short shelf life uh, it's made from fresh whole ingredients. That's quite uncommon now. And by design, it, it means that we are pressing those ingredients daily. It means that you're using different processing techniques and minimal processing as well. So less thermal energy, etc, etc. So what are the benefits of being sustainable by design, just both for your business and for the environment? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say we're sustainable because that suggests that we've sort of completed the game. And I guess the driving force for us was it's a business that's five years old. So it's easier, it's easier to build being more conscious about how we do things into the very fabric of the business. And as business founders, we're no different from most. Uh, we care, you know, we want to live more sustainably. So I think that's a very natural thing. Um, so putting that back into the business that we run sort of just felt like a natural course to take. But as I say, it's not it's not like we are sustainable. No business is sustainable. Every business is inherently wasteful. So it's about minimising that impact. Just very briefly, take us through the various elements that are more sustainable, at least in your business, from the product to what you package it in, and then how you get it out to the customer. Yeah, so in a in a product business like ours, the the supply chain obviously runs all the way back from farm, basically, through to to the shelf that the product sits on. And that is a highly complex supply chain that there's loads of different elements along the way that we can we can tackle. And it's an ongoing project. So a couple of good examples are the packaging and the waste that people don't see, the consumer doesn't see. And that's the bit that's not as exciting. So 
plastic wrapping around the actual cartons that the drinks are delivered in. So we removed that some time ago. We, we, we went to a fully uh, recycled FSC cardboard that could actually be used on shelf as well to display the product. So actually by design, you're designing in sustainability into the product itself, into the way it's merchandised. That's one example. We do have to use at this time plastic because of the, the processing technique that we used, which is called HPP. It needs a flexible container. So that kind of limits us at this stage. So the way we're tackling that is looking at the, the most immediate wins, the ones that we as a smaller company can address at our size and, and have access to. So we use a 50% recycled content bottle uh, made of PET. PET is the, the most commercially valuable plastic out there. So it does get recycled um, and there can be a circular economy for PET bottles. And then all the way through, I guess, from the production partner who are a farming cooperative and their farming practices are far, far ahead of many in terms of how they treat the local environment. A huge, huge number of our ingredients come from very close to the factory itself. Um, and as I said, they're pressed on a daily basis as well. So they're traveling less miles. So there's, there's loads of different aspects, but hopefully that gives a few along the way. But it is a constant challenge and a constant, but an exciting challenge to kind of address each, each component of that supply chain. I'm just curious what it costs then to move to a more sustainable way of doing things. In, inherently, you're going, to be, you're going to be paying more money for things like recycled, recycled uh, PET bottles. It's more expensive, but it, but it is relatively marginal ultimately less than five percent easily but obviously if you're doing it at volume we're doing significant volume so 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 it adds up but it's it's not it's not a huge huge cost and that's that's the kind of tangible but i would always go back to there's an intangible it's an opportunity cost the intangibility of actually losing sales um, of not being relevant as a brand in this current climate in this day and age um, is far far greater actually than the than the marginal tangible cost but that's always a balance you have to strike. That's probably something that will be hugely beneficial to both the planet and actually something that consumer will appreciate. So that's very relevant to us. So we would say that 5% additional cost is one that we're happy to absorb. Should you start small or try and re-engineer everything in a big bang? Yeah, def- definitely. I'd say our experience is, um, is, is start small, em- embrace it and accept you'll make mistakes. It's it's okay. I, I'm fairly pragmatic when it comes to this stuff. Small changes can really, really add up as they kind of compound up and you become in your own right as a business others look to, then that's the positive influence you can have on other businesses. And then you get the network effect. And I'd, I'd definitely say as well, it's, it's a team sport. So get those inside, internally in your business really engaged as much as you can. That's how you actually move things forward. And then if you can change that internally, then then you can start really having an impact externally as well. So Bex, again, a very different story here. And uh, if we needed reminding, uh, it's engaging customers and it's ongoing. Yeah, Nigel, you're right. And I loved Rich's honesty about how no business can be entirely sustainable. You just have to keep pushing and nibbling away at the edges where you're wasteful. And the journey never stops. But what I did find really interesting was that these uh, more planet-friendly bottles they're using, the best they can do at the moment, uh, cost, as he put it, a few pennies more. But they kind of become part of the mix. They become part of the product, which is attractive. So that cost sort of disappears somewhere along the line, doesn't it? 
Yeah, and it seems that you, you actually lose business just by not taking those steps. I think that's what he was trying to explain, that, that if you don't spend those extra few pennies per bottle, people will know that you're not doing your best. Well, for now, thanks to those two great business owners, uh, Kay and Rich. Uh, so what's next, Bex? Coming up in just a moment, we hear what help is out there for businesses to become even more kind to the planet. Welcome back to Business Class Money Minutes. So, the Green Revolution is underway, but what's the bigger picture and what help is out there for small businesses to make the most of these changes and benefit their bottom lines? Well, we're delighted now to be joined by the brilliant Liz Slee, who's Head of Media at Enterprise Nation, the UK's most active small business network. Hi, Liz. Hello. What help is there from the government to support people making these changes? Well, yes, there, there there is actually quite a bit of help out there um, at the moment. Um, things like R&D tax credits, which give you corporation tax relief on your research and development, for example. Um, there are grants available if you want things like small adaptations on your premises to make them more energy efficient or uh, revising your production processes, for example. These are sort of green grants um, and loans are, are also available, but mostly they're from local authorities. So you need to, and obviously there are different criteria as well for each authority. So you probably need to speak to your local authority about those. There's a thing called the Enhanced Capital Allowance, which is a government-sponsored scheme to help manage climate change. Have a look at that. Every year, DEFRA offers a number of different funding opportunities, and these are usually run with competition, so look out for those. Other places you might go, Innovate UK do brilliant grants. The application process is, is reasonably complicated but you can actually get help with that so that's always a good place to look obviously every kind of investment that you make um, that will help your business to become more environmentally friendly can go against um, your annual investment allowance there's also i've noticed this uh, year the government has introduced a thing called the uk research and innovation website which is funneling all the local and national funding opportunities in one place so that's something to look at as well and Liz is this a really hot topic when you speak to your members are they talking about sustainability are they are they taking steps absolutely yeah I mean it's, it's huge it is absolutely huge you don't need to be sort of working in science and technology to be more environmentally friendly as we've heard there's a brilliant company called Too Good To Go um, that's run by Jamie Cromie in London, which sort of um, offers to sort of help to reduce food waste, which is a huge issue. And, um, you know, he's got a, a system where if you're a restaurant, and you've got excess food, you know, that you're, you otherwise would be thrown away. Um, you can, um, you know, deliver that uh, to places like hostels and, and, and the homeless and, um, you know, food banks and people who are really in need. So it's happening all over the place place. <laughs> Liz, there are all these brilliant examples and you've mentioned some of them, but the problem for many firms is they've been going for many years. They're not beginning with a clean sheet. They have all these legacy costs and they're fearful that the money they spent won't actually, there won't be a payback for it. So can you kind of say a bit more about the business case for being sustainable? How, how do you persuade companies that going down this road will pay dividends on their bottom line, if not immediately, then very soon? And they may soon end up in a situation where they actually wouldn't want to be 
back where they were. Actually, that's one of the reasons that we've done a little bit of research in, into this area. And actually, half of all businesses um, agree that their customers expect this anyway. Uh, only 15% of all businesses um, disagree with that. You almost need to, to do it. It's customers that you know are driving this. It's, so the sort of bottom line is obviously helped by you know things like staff retention, but also you know kind of attracting those customers and being able to use that message in your marketing materials. That's vital these days uh, in order to sort of attract you know, the kind of customer, the customer base that you're looking for. And uh, Liz, very interesting to see that equity investment is flowing into green businesses big time. We saw some data from Bohurst between 2015 and 19. Equity investment into startups, uh, which were generally described as sustainable, more than trebled, uh, while environmental uh, businesses saw a 94% increase. So this is... Um, simply common sense isn't it in terms of uh, being uh, in the right place absolutely yeah um you know and we've there's some brilliant businesses that that we looked at with, with our um, research in terms of those those companies who will have had some of that investment that you're talking about you know 3d vertical farming for example saturn bioponics um alex fisher he's had a lot of innovate uk uh, money you know but also kind of grant funding equity investment um, which you know has helped his business to you know forge you know international partnerships. It's it's really important work. There's some really really fascinating um, British companies that will have been the recipients of that. You know these are all massive things that that, that are happening in the UK. Bex, my head is spinning. There is so much out there. Wow, yes, that was a lot to take in. It does seem that being sustainable can be a little bit more expensive, maybe in the short term, but it seems there's a real business imperative there. Consumers want to see change. And over the long term, it will end up helping your bottom line. And loads of help out there, both in terms of knowledge and grants for small businesses. So green grants out there, DEFRA was mentioned, uh, the Enhanced Capital Allowance. There's the UK Research and Innovation website. That's a really useful place to go. Your local authority, uh, they all have details. The government's investment allowance, uh, so you can offset the costs of making your business more sustainable. And I loved hearing about the cost savings from slashing water usage or changing light bulbs. And I think there are probably loads of other great little ways that every business could go a little bit greener. Well, that's right. So overall, this is the direction of travel for all aspects of business. And uh, in the slightly longer term, there are big dividends for growth and the bottom line. And I've learned a lot, mostly about recycled hair. Yes, and I don't want one of those sponges made from your or anybody else's hair for Christmas. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, come on, Idol. It's already wrapped and everything. <laughs> and, well, Bex, we've got more where that came from. Yes, there is. You can subscribe to Business Class Money Minutes wherever you get your podcasts. So you're plugged in to the latest and best small business insights from us. In our next episode, the chain will keep us together. How to manage your supply chain in this ever-changing world. And we'll be finding out how to stress test that supply chain and protect it from unexpected disruptions. Imagine that. And if you're a business owner looking for the latest trends and insights for your strategy, American Express has a world of content for you. That's right. Check out the Business Class Trends and Insights Hub for the latest articles and videos on everything related to small business finances at americanexpress.com slash UK slash business class. Until next time, from Bex and me here at Business Class Money Minutes, goodbye and take care. Bye bye.